Welcome to season three of the Yoga Therapy Hour podcast. My name is Amy Wheeler and I'm your host. We are so happy to tell you all that's happening in the world of yoga therapy. And we love to find guests from all over the world so that we can share and learn and grow together. Some of the things that are happening in season three that we find so exciting is that not only are we continuing with the free gift that we are giving out every single week in season two, and you can see more about that in the show notes, but now we are adding a YouTube channel and you can see all of these podcasts on video. The YouTube channel is called Optimal State with Amy Wheeler. Some people like to watch video maybe you want to use it for one of your trainings these videos on youtube will be there for you to use for free we would love your support we have opened up a patreon page that is going to help the podcast flourish and grow you can help us to expand and grow and create more content for you and we'd love for you to visit the patreon page which is called optimal state and yoga therapy hour podcast so let's go into our guest today and please nourish yourself take time for yourself and really relax into listening to the podcast today i am so happy to introduce you to a colleague named laura hogan who works in a hospital called riverside hospital in kankiki illinois and she works under the employee assistance program called EAP. And those of you who know me know that I am constantly looking for doorways through which yoga therapists can get into healthcare. And I've always said health education department is a perfect match for yoga therapy. That's where we really need to go. I'm going to add to that list, the EAP employee assistance programs, especially when they're in-house at small hospitals. That's kind of the key. And the reason I think this is such a great match is because the EAP program is there to help people with their health, their wellness, their crisis management, their burnout, their resilience. I mean, it's exactly what we do. And I think it's a doorway into yoga therapy that many people haven't actually thought of. Laura happens to be a licensed mental health counselor, but in talking to her, now that she has introduced yoga therapy into the picture for more resiliency, less burnout, less employee turnover, more employee satisfaction, reputation, people loving where they work, now that they have got that ball rolling for four years, Laura's telling me that she could foresee hiring yoga therapists kind of underneath her for 10 or 15 hours a week. And she would be the the overseer of other people that could also do the work. So a lot of times people say, well, I can't get into healthcare because I don't have a license in anything. And I think hopefully what we're going to be seeing in the future is that people like Laura will pioneer these things and and eventually say, yes, I, I need more support. I need help. Laura's going on pregnancy leave for, for three months and she would love to have extra yoga therapists there to, to kind of step in and, and help the employees. So, you know, I have this card deck that every time we have someone go through the program and they have a unique way that they are looking at using yoga therapy, I make another card. And I think I have 42 of them, 42 different ways that people who've graduated from some level of our program have been using yoga therapy, combining it with what they already do. I'm happy to share that card deck with you so you can see all the different ways that yoga therapists are working. But I need to add the EAP card because I think this and health education are two wonderful doors for us to walk through in order to get in the door of healthcare. And it takes us out of the biomedical model per se, meaning we don't need double blind randomized controlled trials for half a million dollars to prove that this works or that works. A lot of EAP programs and health education programs are more based on 
employee satisfaction, client or patient satisfaction, feeling cared for. It's kind of the the soft skills part of the hospital. And I just think because we are experts in the art and science of well-being, that's where we naturally fit. And let's face it, there aren't a ton of studies done on yoga therapy with double blind controlled studies because there's no money to be made. Even if they put a half a million dollars in to, to see if it works, there's not a lot of money to be made off that. Like there might be a prescription drug that can then be mass produced and scaled and sold. So I think we as yoga therapists are going to have a little bit of a hard time going through that entry door because the research is not there for yoga therapy. There's a lot of great research on yoga, but not yoga therapy. And people probably aren't going to be funding a ton of yoga therapy research because of the obstacles I just talked about. So go out and explore health education, explore employee assistance programs. And I think we might find that yoga therapy will find a home in the hospitals through at least those two doors. And if we keep looking, we'll find more. So I hope you enjoy this wonderful interview and I look forward to sharing it with you. Hello, Laura Hogan. Welcome to the Yoga Therapy Hour podcast. Thank you, Amy. It's so good to be here with you. Laura, tell us where you live and where you work. Sure. So I live outside of Kankakee, Illinois. Kankakee is about an hour and a half south of Chicago. And then we're out in the cornfields from there. And I work at a nonprofit hospital called Riverside Medical Center. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast is because I love to explore the different places that yoga therapists have potential to work. And you work in something called EAP. Tell us what EAP is. Yeah, so it stands for Employee Assistance Program, and most companies have an EAP in some capacity. So it's benefits offered through work meant to help people with physical, mental health, financial, social, child care, all kinds of different issues and concerns. And it typically involves some combination of therapy, crisis support, case management, or coaching. And what's unique about the EAP that we have at Riverside is that it's internal. So it's just my supervisor and I, we are on site almost every day. And so we really want the program to be preventative to help people with wellness. And Riverside Hospital has about 1,500 employees. So there's two of you working full-time to basically help the employees be happier, healthier, more resilient, maybe have less burnout, get through, like you said, crisis management. And I just think that is a really perfect place for a yoga therapist to it be is. placed, you know? So let's, let's go all the way back. Sure. You are a licensed healthcare provider. Yes. Yes. And tell us what, is it a marriage and family counselor or a, what is your, sure. your first profession? Sure. So I actually went to school. I got my master's as a CRC, so a certified rehabilitation counselor, which helps people with disabilities live as independently as possible. And then I got my LCPC. So in other states, it's called by a different name, but essentially it's a master's level mental health counselor. So I have the ability to work in private practice and bill insurance. So we provide one-on-one in marriage couples counseling, family counseling as well. All right. So your first experience with yoga therapy was with a beloved friend of both of ours, Laura Jane Mellencamp, who's in Downers Grove. And she has a beautiful community there called Yoga Among Friends. So tell us what was going on in your life when you were in college getting these degrees and and how did Laura help you as your yoga therapist? Sure. So I was at a crossroads in my life when I encountered Laura Jane and my junior year in undergrad, 
I had, I didn't really realize it at the time, but was going through a pretty severe depression that took me to a place of having suicidal thoughts that were pretty intense. And part of not getting more traditional help was stigma and just not understanding what was happening. But when I had met Laura Jane and started working with her, the way that yoga therapy was able to help me on a deeper level was something I had never experienced. It wasn't just the mind and the thoughts aspect. It really helped me at the core of what I was going through, which I had never encountered and didn't know it was possible until then. So without getting too specific about your mm-hmm. care plan, like what was different about your yoga therapy experience with Laura Jane than maybe some talk therapy? What, how did it feel? Sure. The, the physical, the breath, the more spiritual component to it, mm-hmm. it helped me reframe my experience in a deeper, different way. Depression can be a very cerebral, stuck-in-your-mind aspect of things. And the way that yoga therapy was able to help me feel what joy and hope and possibility and potential is like at a deep physical level was very different. So kind of like that embodied mental health care, as I like to say, that when you really went inward and and felt yourself and felt the breath moving through you and felt the prana coming back, it's just a different experience than getting into our heads and talking about it. And not that that's not also needed, I think. No, and I think that is definitely a wonderful component in yoga therapy, of course, has that part to it as well. But I think especially for me of getting stuck in the story of all these things that had happened to me and why it was bad or awful or what it said about me, I couldn't get out of that loop until Laura Jane was able to help me get into my breath and body. You know, I think that's so interesting that according to Patanjali's Yoga Sutra, like we can create new thought patterns, new samskaras, new goals, new dreams at any time. And I wouldn't say we're against getting into the big story about the past and the trauma, but really we we don't want to spend a whole lot of time digging that hole deeper. Would you agree with that mm-hmm. for yoga therapy? Absolutely. I think there can be value in talking about the story and finding a new narrative, but it always gets us stuck. And with talk therapy, I've found that that only gets people so far. If there's no aspect of embodiment to it, people will only heal so far. And not that that can't be good enough for where they're at and what they need, but it just doesn't really get down to the root of it. Yeah, I have a lot of friends and myself too been through counseling and and we really can learn to control our thoughts. And I think that's an important part of yoga and psychotherapy. And there's something very different when you realize that anytime you're in a social situation, you can't feel your legs (laughs) or you have to give a a talk at work and suddenly you can't speak. You're, you're shaking like there, that embodiment is so key to healing. I agree with you. And would you also say there's sometimes a stigma around mental health care versus yoga care? Absolutely. So one of the biggest things I hear people say, even with rounding at the hospital is, well, I like what Well in Mind offers, but I'm not crazy. So I don't need therapy. And there's a lot of self stigma of feeling like it's a weakness or there's something wrong with us or it's something to be ashamed about. But even on a bigger scale, there's a lot of community and institutional stigma of A lot of times in the media, when they talk about mental health, it's not portrayed very well in movies and series. Whenever there's a big mass traumatic event, the first thing they talk about is, does the person have a mental health diagnosis? And unfortunately, in the United States, the three biggest servers of mental health services are county jails of Rikers Island and the East Coast, Cook County, and then LA County Jail. So it's not the best... (laughs) marketing for going to counseling and taking care of our mental health. Whereas with yoga therapy, it's wellness. It's taking care of ourselves and our health. And I think the starting with the physical layer of what usually brings people to yoga is safer. Mm, 
you know, we were talking very briefly before we got on the podcast about employee assistance programs, EAPs, which is what you work in. And I think you said it's called Well in Mind. Yeah. Yes. For many, many years at my previous employer, we could have any kind of psychological talk therapy help we needed. If I had any kind of struggle, call this number, get you know a list of 20 therapists, find one near you and get there by Tuesday. Then there came a time with our EAP program where it basically was like, if you're suicidal or you can't do your job, call us. Otherwise you're on your own. We don't provide help for anything less than that. And what person in their right mind is going to call their employer <laughs> to tell them like, I can't do my job. Like that seems strange that, that if anybody could have any other option, they would. So your EAP program is just really, really different that it has this focus on well in mind and has this focus on well-being and that your boss bought into yoga therapy. Can you tell us a little bit about like when you interviewed, did you tell them that your goal was to be doing a lot of yoga and yoga therapy? Sure. So at the time I had just gotten my CIAYT or I'd become a certified yoga therapist and I never imagined that I could have a job where I could merge counseling and yoga therapy. I didn't know about it. It didn't seem possible. And so when I had interviewed and I had shared that I had that training, they loved it. They were so excited. My supervisor and our VP of HR at the time said, absolutely, will you teach yoga here for employees? And I thought, of course, (laughs) I would love that. I didn't even know that that was an option. And so what I've loved about the cultural organizational mindset about wellness at Riverside is being preventative of what are all the offerings that we can to help people before it gets to the point of a crisis call. Of course, we do those interventions, but how do we get people to take care of themselves holistically before we get to those low points if possible? And I feel like yoga therapy is a wonderful tool for that. I love what you just said you know, and this comes straight from the yoga sutra, right? That we want to catch a problem when it's a little tiny weed, not when it's grown into this big, huge oak tree. It's so much harder to chop down 60 foot high tree, AKA your big problem versus let's just get it when, when you're first starting to not feel well and, and kind of change trajectories early. And one thing that occurs to me, but all throughout healthcare is struggling with problems right now about how to help people with their burnout, how to help people be more resilient. Did you have top tier leadership buy-in for what you're doing? Like from all the way down the line from the very top to your boss, like have they all bought into this or how did you manage this? I think so many people would love to do what you're doing, but maybe don't have leadership's buy-in. Absolutely. Without that, I don't think it would be possible, but we have always had the support of leadership since Well in Mind started four years ago as a bittersweet sort of situation. I do think the pandemic helps leaders turn more to well in mind for support because it was levels of burnout and struggles that was beyond anything they had experienced. But our president actually has us meeting with leaders and VPs to talk about, you know, what's going on culturally and how do we have more trauma informed leadership? Because what's happening right now with, people on the floor, the nurses, the techs and other staff, they are burnt out, but our leaders are burnt out too. And so part of burnout and compassion fatigue is not having the empathy to support others. So normally leaders could pick up their nurses in ways that is more difficult now. I think the leaders see that and they are more willing to ask us for input and support of how do we change this? They are very good with the clinical administrative business side of it, but they do respect our expertise in mental health and well-being, and they're utilizing us more and more. Okay. I just heard a phrase I want you to unpack for us. Sure. Trauma-informed leadership. Tell me, tell me what that means to you. Yes, absolutely. So, We are only as good at helping and leading others as we are at taking care of ourselves. 
And I think there's a difference between being a manager and a leader. A manager takes care of staffing, the billing, making sure that you're under budget and things like that. But a leader is what's inspiring people and helping them to feel part of a team and empowered and really connecting. And if we are stuck in our own burnout or trauma, we cannot connect with others. And that's a huge part of the yoga therapy of how do we regulate our nervous system to be able to be a calm presence for someone else that's struggling, especially with during COVID, you know, nurses were losing patients at a far higher, faster rate than ever before. And to have two people that are dysregulated in their nervous system, try to work through it. It doesn't work very well. I agree so much. And, you know, many of us, when faced with a situation like that as a leader, we would just kind of mask and try to push through and pretend, which leads to more burnout for that leader because you, it's unsustainable. The, the hits just keep on coming. Absolutely. And something that we've been working with our leaders on is trying to undo this old narrative that we have to be stoic in healthcare, that there has to be distance and I'm not touched by the problems of my patients or my work, but that's just not the reality. And being able to teach them it's okay to be vulnerable and authentic with your staff. That doesn't mean that you're showing weakness. It's actually empowering them to say, hey, this is hard sometimes and it's okay to take a step back and take better care of myself. And did the organization and the leadership have that mentality before you came four years ago? Or do you feel like you and your colleague, or I guess your boss, have been able to influence them to help them see that? I think it's probably been a reciprocal growth. I think that since the beginning of Well in Mind, there has been a belief on wellness. Our president talks a lot about how he goes to yoga with his wife and focuses on holistic care. So I do think that there is that mentality. I think it's just continued to expand and grow as different things have happened. They've given us opportunities to help them. We've showed opportunities like with starting a yoga therapy resilience program of ways that an internal EAP can be supportive and I would love to see more internal EAPs in healthcare and other organizations where there were yoga therapists on staff. We get to round on the units. We have a therapy dog. We have a wellness wagon with drinks and snacks. And if there were yoga therapists that could walk onto the floor in the moment as people are stressed out to provide support, it would be amazing. It would be so amazing. And I don't, you know, in terms of regulating your nervous system and helping you to cope in an embodied way, right? I don't, I think we're perfectly suited for that. And I don't know any other profession that could show up with Sal, the therapy dog and the welcome wagon, as you say, the snacks and the treats and the water and the good wishes and say, Hey, can we, do a little bit of stretching or can we do a little bit of breathing or could we help you change your perspective on this a little bit? Or can I give you some empathy for 10 minutes because I can see you're really hurting. Like that's amazing. It is. It really is. And I think with yoga therapy and the most therapy tools are yoga therapy tools just called by another name of Western medicine. But I think too with that of there's just so many restrictions on therapists in terms of insurance and regulation and other things that yoga therapists it's it's different we have our crediting bodies and ethics and rules and things like that but there's just less restraint and i think the lifestyle of healthcare sets people up for failure and so that part of yoga therapy with the lifestyle medicine, there are some structural things in healthcare with the nurses that work on the floor with 12 hour shifts that are waking up at 3 a.m. and then come home at five or six to families that they have to take care of. That lifestyle medicine is that missing ingredient and we can catch people on the job while they're working as those in, in-person reminders. I think it's a powerful place to start. Yeah. As you say, the whole structure, it, it, in my opinion, you may not agree with this, but our healthcare, it just seems like it's sick. And that's why we're having 15,000 nurses 
go on strike in Minnesota, you know, or other places around the country, the whole structure is not well. And some might argue it's about to come down and be restructured, which might be a good thing. But I think what you're saying is, look, this is the structure that we're in and there's still some things we can do individually to help you. Absolutely. And I think with my own experience with burnout at a previous job, when I was fresh out of grad school, working at a nonprofit community mental health center, I didn't even realize that I was in it until I was there. And yoga therapy has helped me learn that even if structures and systems do need to change, there is always something that we can do to better influence it. And with the internal EAP, it gives people access to tools and resources. They don't have the time or energy to research. They might not even know that they need, especially not only with mental health care, but even access to yoga therapy. It's not always easy or affordable to find. And if companies were able to provide that benefit to make it as easy as possible, I think it would be easier for people to choose that wellness for themselves. So right now, could an employee call you up and say, Hey, Laura, I'd like to have a session with you and I'd like to talk for 20 minutes, but the rest of the time I'd like to get a yoga therapy practice. I mean, could Mm -hmm. they do that with you? Any employee? Absolutely. Yep. In their household, anybody that lives in their house could do that too. So their husband, their child, anyone could come. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I do have plenty of people that enjoy doing that. And I teach virtual yoga as well, but anybody could come one-on-one to be able to do that. And do you do both telehealth and in-person or one or the other? We do both. Ever since the pandemic, we've offered telehealth and phone sessions, but I do think people crave that in-person connection as much as possible, but it's not always convenient. We have quite a few off-campus locations up to an hour away. And so being able to do things virtually, again, helps give people access to resources they wouldn't have otherwise. So if you were a yoga therapist who wanted to kind of explore the EAP world, would you look for places that have in-house EAPs versus where I used to work, it was outsourced to a big employee assistance program company, right? So there was 20,000 therapists that worked for 1,700 companies. We kind of got outsourced, but yours is in-house. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's an advantage if, if a yoga therapist was going to contact an in-house EAP versus a company that does EAP mm-hmm. work? Do you think one is better than the other? On the one hand, I think the external big EAP corporations probably have more of the funding to be able to do that. But I think that going to the smaller systems of being the internal EAP, I think there's more power there to build relationships. And one of the benefits of being internal is being on the ground with people. I get to go to the units to see what it's like, and I can see the distress happening. I can be there to witness what's going on, and that puts me in a better position to be able to tailor things. You've been helping me create our internal resilience program, and it's been tough. And so being able to be there regularly to see what are the obstacles to people utilizing us but I think with smaller healthcare systems, it can be easier to create your own position. I have a friend who's been part of Laura Jane's in your program as well, Keely Michaels, who she's moved a lot for her husband's job. And no matter where she goes, she's created her own position in hospitals and different situations because she knows how to speak the language to create to show them this is what you need and this is how I can do it. So I do think some of the smaller systems are an easier place to start right now. I want to agree with you. You know, we have a lot of students in our training program that they'll go to kind of a medical center and, and the medical center will be really excited about what they're talking about and offering. And yes, that's exactly what we need and maybe even get hired. And then there's like, well, how are we going to build this? And what's the NPI number? And 
can I see your license? It's like, well, yoga therapy is not a licensed profession yet, and it may never be. So it it feels to me like the bigger systems, you kind of have to fit into their box versus what you and Keely have done is go and meet people, connect with them, talk to them and explore the benefits of what you offer and get hired in house. And, and then as you say, it's not an insurance issue. You know, it, it becomes about the people right here, right now that you're of service to. Absolutely. And I think something that's been valuable to me is working with you and doing your professional development course to figure out what are the pain points of the people that I want to serve and what is my special contribution to help compared to cardiologists or neurosurgery. Well, in mind, it's not a profit generating department. However, if we are helping to reduce time lost from absenteeism where people are showing up to work, but they're depressed and not performing at the same capacity or calling off because of mental health issues, there is a financial benefit. And I think yoga therapists can provide the exact same benefits, if not more because of the outcomes of what yoga therapy is shown to do in a position like an internal EAP where you don't need to bill, you're just there and available for what the needs are. You know, I liken it very much to health education departments in hospitals, right? That they are there to build satisfaction, to build employee retention, to help people feel better. And that's, to me, that's not like the Cinderella, you know, that that you're kind of the stepsister. I think that's a perfect place to position ourselves. Why not own what we do? We are the art and science of well-being. And let's own that. Let's not try to fit into the medical model where everything is about the bottom line and the almighty dollar. I, I just don't think we fit in there very well. And a lot of people would disagree with me on that, but <laughs> no, I agree. And I appreciate the position I get to be in of, I always liken it to Switzerland. We have no one alliance to anybody in the organization. We help the VPs, we help HR, we help managers, we help employees. And it's adapting our skill set to meet everybody's different needs because what's going on in healthcare, no one person no one subset of people can fix alone. It takes everybody working together. And I'm grateful to be in a position where it feels like we get to bridge that gap a little bit. Well, well, let's go there a little bit because sure. I think this is where the rubber hits the road. You know, it's so dysfunctional right now and employees don't have time to go to the bathroom. They don't have time to get a drink of water. They're being pushed to the max. And I've talked to you about this when I was working that hard as a university professor, where I'd have four back-to-back classes with 10 minutes in between to walk between this building and that building on campus. I literally couldn't go to the bathroom for eight hours. And so how do you even insert yourself into that as a yoga therapist? I heard you say the, the welcome wagon where you kind of go along with your snacks. And I mean, but let's talk about that. That's really, really challenging to even number one, let people know who you are, what you do, how you can help, but then how, how do you even meet them where they are, which is they don't have time to go to the bathroom, much less do yoga. I mean, you and I have talked about, about this a lot. It's a tough learning curve and it's tough for me because I love to create hour long presentations and all of these beautiful long yoga classes that doesn't work because that's not where people are at and doesn't have the time. And so the wellness wagon was created by our foundation, our, um, the nonprofit part of the hospital during the pandemic, when people truly would, they, we would go there. They'd been there for seven hours. They hadn't had water. They had nothing to eat because they couldn't even step away if they had brought something. And so starting to use those micro moments of pausing to check in, how are you? What do you need right now? And and being able to nourish yourself on a physical level. You talked about using your optimal state charts with Mm -hmm. the wagon and trying that to see and getting people to recognize we can't come to balance if we don't know where we're at. 
in the course of a 12 hour day when you're running from room to room and people are calling you and pagers are going off and you're charting and it's you're not checking in with yourself of where you're at and so starting to use those moments when we're on the floor the face-to-face connection to really say how are you right now a lot of times when they are getting checked in with it's more about how many beds are open and when will these people be discharged and so to be able to just have that genuine conversation of you as a person not what you can do of you as a person where are you at is a simple place to start yeah and we were i love this idea of micro moments i mean i think you know you've been working in this area for four years and there's been a lot of trial and error like okay, I'll make a series of YouTube videos or I'll make a morning daily reminder that's a one-minute reminder that I'll send out via text message. I'll, I'll do this wellness wagon. Even all the way up to like a six-week well-being program where hoping that they can come to you, get that hour off to do their thing and also personal counseling and yoga therapy. Like you, you've tried a variety of things to try to get in the door and reach them knowing the situation is very, very difficult. What would you say are the things that have actually worked for you? Cause I think why not save somebody who's listening a whole lot of time and help them understand the situation that you're not going to get to go in and stand up in front of 30 people for hour long presentations mm-hmm. twice a week. You know, it's just not happening. No, absolutely. And I think one of the bigger lessons I've learned is the marketing and planning more in advance of you can't put a flyer out in a mass weekly email one time and expect people to see it and sign up. That is how I got my first three people to sign up, but there needs to be more on the front end of that. I think being very clear on the pain points of it has to be what they see as important, not what I see as important of to fix. And I think making it as digestible as possible. And so the hour long practice sessions or the hour long educational sessions, people don't have time for that. And so being able to deliver it in really small bite-sized pieces, but I think being able to find a way to deliver it in the moment when they need it most, when people are on the floor going from room to room and doing everything they need to do, they're not going to remember, Oh, the well in mind girl said that I should do this when I'm stressed. But if I show up in that unit and I can do that with them for 30 seconds um, or being able to remind them, choose this to help get to the gold zone over that those kind of daily tips can add up over time. So I think knowing what structural barriers there are and trying to get around that. Ideally, I had wanted people to have 30 minutes to step away to do yoga with me. That was never going to happen. And it hasn't happened. And that's okay. It's all to have a realization like all my planning And I think when you say, what are the pain points? Every time we enter into any situation, we can't be thinking about what do I want to do to make myself feel like I'm a productive member of the team, but it's more like, what do you need in this moment? So when you meet people with your wellness wagon for those micro moments, what are the things that they need? Like, let's get really clear about the pain points for healthcare workers. Mm -hmm. I think physically they need better nourishment of better access to healthy food and, and drink options. I think they need moments for their nervous system to calm down. They are constantly staring at screens. They have constant noise with beeping machines and people calling their ASCOMs and people calling their names. They are multitasking all day long. They often feel very frazzled. So being able to focus, being able to shut work off when they leave, so disconnecting from work. Sleep is a big concern. And if we look at with yoga therapy, if you're in the white and red zone all day long and you try to just go to sleep right at night, that doesn't work very well. 
I think too, they want to feel heard and seen. A lot of times people in healthcare, it's not just a job, it's a passion and a calling. It's their dharma and they give and give and give and having that recognition and feeling seen which yoga therapy has taught me of yes we we can and should get validation from the people around us but we can find it internally and that's the most powerful way to be seen Mm. i think they need a break i think they need five or ten minutes they need to be able to go to the bathroom without someone knocking on the door to say your patient room 15 needs you (laughs) my goodness you know, I remember one of the strategies you tried because I've been watching you just try to knock on this door in so many different ways. And I think you were talking about, you know, that transition from being kind of on in what we call vata pitta, <laughs> revved up all day, combined with compassion fatigue. So you're also exhausted, right? And then that transition between work and home, you don't want to take that home with you. You don't want to put that all on your family. And I think that that moment of maybe it's a 10 minute drive, maybe it's 30 minutes on the bus or, you know, there's different people, you know, get home different ways, but to even make micro meditation practices for specifically for that transition about now, you know, give yourself some compassion for all the hard work you've done. And we're going to leave that at the door. And imagine yourself feeling joyful with your family, like helping them transition. I hear people say that all the time that have intense jobs. I don't know how to transition. And then when I'm at work, I feel like I want to be with my family. And when I'm with my family, I'm thinking about work and I'm miserable both times. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think yoga therapy very much teaches the ritual and routine and a one or two minute meditation in a car or a bus ride, or even, you know, when people are in the bathroom of a one minute breathing exercise to really capitalize on those moments that people do have of every, I always tell people, if you can go to a one yoga class for an hour a week, that's wonderful. But if you could take, you know, one to two minute chunks of time throughout the day that will always serve you better. And I think yoga therapy is unique in that way. I don't think a lot of therapy tools are marketed in that way. Mm. You know, it reminds me of Shelly Prosco, who is a yoga yes. <laughs> and, and she taught me how to use my restroom breaks to, to regulate myself, which is take three or four minutes and deeply exhale several times and make sure your bladder completely empties and then just sit there a little longer <sighs> and sigh and kind of feel your body and okay, here I am. All right. And then it's not a, a quick, like, go wash your hands, get out. You actually, t- nobody, very few people are going to interrupt you if you stay in there for three to five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just think, you know, if we did that, Say you go to the bathroom six times a day. That's 30 minutes. Six times five is 30 minutes of relaxation and surrender and uh, letting go. It's big. Yes, absolutely. And that, it's funny that you mentioned that because that was the first time that I had heard that. And last fall, COVID was really bad in our area at the hospital. And that was what I was telling everybody. No one's really going to bother you if you're in the bathroom for an extra few minutes. If you try to tell them I'm feeling anxious and overwhelmed and I need to step off the unit for five minutes, one, most, um, healthcare providers are far too perfectionistic to want to admit that, but you're going to get more pushback compared to doing using that time that you have in the bathroom, which is wonderful. And even simple things, every time you sit down at your desk and you feel your feet on the floor and you feel your shoulders, and your body relax. So those 30 seconds make a huge difference. I love that. So tell me, Laura, because you have been just trying all these different things and having some disappointments and then, oh, this works, the bathroom thing works and, and just finding your way through this maze of what could possibly make a a difference. How do you keep yourself going? I mean, that has to be sometimes disappointing. And do you ever feel insecure? Like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing or why isn't this working? Can you talk us through that? Because I, I feel like 
because yoga therapy is such an emerging field, we're all doing that in our own way. We're all knocking on doors and getting rejected. And oh my gosh, I put all this energy in and that didn't work. It's, it's like this constant dance. How do you deal with the disappointment and or just wondering if, if this is really making a difference? Absolutely. I experience that all the time <laughs> and kind of experiencing that now because I'm not on the other side of it. We're currently working through the resilience program now to figure out the obstacles and kinks to smooth it out. And it's easy to feel doubtful or to feel down about it. And so mentorship is huge. I wouldn't be able to do it without advice and guidance and support from you and Laura Jane and, and people like that. I think knowing my own personal strengths and weaknesses, I'm an idea person all day. I have no issue creating the idea, but sometimes the fine details of execution are harder. So getting support on that and remembering that it's not about me helps. These are teachings that have been passed on from you and Laura Jane to me and that have been passed down in that fashion many, many, many years. And so it's just sharing what has helped me and that I know can help others helps remove the ego part of it where we can get wounded. And I think too, of not being afraid to get back up and put yourself back out there of it's not going to work the first time. It might not work the first three times, but being able to figure out and fine tune what works for the people that you're serving in the organization that you're at. And I think just that deep commitment of this is my purpose. This is why I'm here. I was born to do this. And so I'm not going to give up on it. I I love what you said. We, we talk about this a lot that these ideas and teachings have been helping people to suffer less for over 2000 years. This isn't even about us, right? This is passing through us. So it it is, I think, really helpful. And, and that track record of, wow, this is still standing the test of time. It must do something if it's still here, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't think everyone is as strong-minded as you are. I think, you know, what I see a lot of people do is they get the yoga therapy training. They try a couple of things. It's hard out there. And they're like, oh, it must be me. I'm giving up. This is too much work. So I love your dharmic commitment to people need this support. They need this help. And I'm here to do it. I was made to do this. And we're just going to find a way around these obstacles, right? And the obstacles being what we talked about earlier, that people don't have time. They're exhausted. They're overworked. There's not times in the day to go to the bathroom. I, I think you have tackled probably the hardest situation there is out there, especially during COVID times and, and all the burnout that's happening in healthcare. And you're still going after it. And I just admire that so much. I haven't seen people as tenacious as you. Well, thank you. That means a lot to me coming from you. And of course, it's it takes support and guidance of we talk one-on-one -on -one for mentorship in that capacity and of just sharing how hard it can be or how much our goals can change. Three or four years ago, I'd wanted my own yoga therapy business and just wasn't going to work out for all kinds of reasons. And once I was able to let that go, you were able to help me see this beautiful opportunity in front of me of I'm not meant to maybe be the owner of a business. However, I work in a hospital where they are very much asking me to use yoga therapy. And so if we push too hard on things, we can miss the opportunities in front of us. I never would have thought four years ago I would be doing this today. I think that happens to us all the time, you know, and I see it with students that I do business coaching with that you have opportunities in front of you. You're just somehow blocking that out and choosing not to see that as an opportunity. And, you know, I, even as a college professor, I got really burnt out about a decade ago and I, I didn't know if I could go onward. And I decided at that time, I'm just going to put yoga and yoga therapy into every single class I teach history and philosophy of sport. We're talking about the history and philosophy of yoga, sociology of sport. We're talking about you know, yogic concepts of 
yamas and neyamas, uh, psychology of sport. We're going to talk about sleep and about anxiety and depression. The whole damn class ended up being yoga therapy. Mm-hmm. In my last 10 years, I made it. I was okay. So that's one message I, I really want people to get from watching your story is maybe you already have a situation that you can insert yoga therapy into that equation. Yes. And I think with doing your optimal state program, I think that's one, there's a lot of beneficial things, but that's been something very beneficial to me because if I had walked into a meeting with the VPs at our hospital talking about the yamas and the niyamas and yoga nidra, it wouldn't have been a very long meeting. And so you have helped me adapt what's their language and how do I speak it to be able to sell it? And how do I merge these two things that seem so different, but really are not. So that's been invaluable. So what kind of language do they want to hear? And, and I don't, I just want to say, I don't think this is cultural appropriation because I think we're meeting the person where they are to have a conversation. And it's not that you're hiding that this is yoga. It's not that you're, mm-hmm. you know, down the road, we'll take them from the two foot end of the pool down to the 12 foot end of the pool over time. Right. And this is a very Descacharian thing, like meet the client where they are. What kind of language did they want to hear when you first showed up with this idea? So they want specifics of what is it that you'll address and what's the impact of the organization. So being able to say of we can reduce burnout, which will increase productivity or it'll decrease how much people are utilizing on the benefits plan. We can reduce costs for seeing psychiatrists on the health plan. They need tangible financial results. And I don't say that to mean that that that's all that they care about is the finances, but it is a business and they do need to be able to see that. So being able to talk about numbers and knowing what do those leaders and administrators care about. So there's the obstacle of figuring out the pain points and how to deliver yoga therapy to the employees, but then figuring out what are the pain points of the leaders um, and how do we support that? It is. And it is. So I have those pain points because I I think this is a good little mini business lesson we're doing here. We just (laughs) pain points of the workers but that's not who's hiring. What are the pain points of the leaders? They have to make a budget is in the, in the black. What else they want? Happier employees. What, what are their things that they really want? I think they want people to have job satisfaction. I think for our hospital, they want this to feel like a family. I think some trust was damaged in the pandemic. That's no secret that has been openly talked about with choices that had to be made as an organization that damaged trust. So they're currently rebuilding trust. Communication is always, I don't think that's unique to us. I think that's for any organization. There's always a disconnect between people at the top and people on the ground just because it's so very different day to day. So improving communication. And I think having that reputation of our people proud to work here while they refer family and friends were out in the rural area. So word of mouth is huge for reputation. So if people are proud to work here, they're going to be proud to have their family members come. I think the finances are worrisome and there's always a battle between the people on the ground feeling short staffed and like they need more resources or support, but then the flip side of we're spending more money than we're making. And so how do we bridge that gap of being empathetic and caring while also not forgetting we do have to make money. I don't envy, don't envy the leaders in healthcare right now who have to make those choices. It's very difficult. And I, I just think what you just described to us is so beautiful. You know, the stakeholders that are in charge of making decisions, I heard you say a budget that's in the black, They want employees to have job satisfaction. They want to feel like it's a family and there's good communication and the leadership can be trusted to make decisions that benefit the employees, that people are proud to work there. And therefore the hospital has a great reputation in the community. I can't imagine any leader that wouldn't be like, you can help us with that. Yeah, 
that sounds good. Let's do that. And mm-hmm. then you bring in the the wellness cart and the, you know, all the different things that, that you offer. That's the how, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's one thing people don't realize. You don't need to tell the leaders all about the how up front. You just need to say, I think I can help you with these pain points. And then once you get in the door, you explore the how together. Some things work, some things don't, you know? Absolutely. And remembering it took us four years to get to this place. And it's really been in this past year where we've gotten to this place with introducing more yoga therapy and working more with leaders. I think the other big thing is you have to come in being able to listen first and it's easy for me in my nature. It's harder for me to go out and market and sell yoga therapy to people, but you have to be willing to sit back and listen to see what people need before you just come in and start offering because it's probably not going to land no matter where you are, what you're serving. That is the biggest mistake I see our business students making is they want to go show what they learned. Instead. And I still have a fault for that. I still do. I know, we do. We do. Because as, as we say, we're so far into that 12 foot end of the pool. Like we, we don't, we're bored with the two foot end now, you know, it's hard for us to go back and we really have to separate out what's nourishing me personally down here at the 12 foot end of the pool versus where were you as a, a junior in college who felt so depressed? She wasn't sure she wanted to do this anymore and walked into Laura Jane's presence and felt something, you know, like, can we go all the way back to that beginner's mind? Really? Mm -hmm. It's so important. And I think having community and having supports and being able to talk with people and being part of your community and Sangha to see, you know, supporting people when they've had perceived failures with what they're trying to implement and being able to celebrate those successes and, going back to those original moments. So, <laughs> I've told Laura Jane this before, so it's not a surprise, but that class, the first 15 minutes I wanted to leave because I was so used to pushing as hard and fast as I could. And she wanted us to sit and breathe for 15 minutes. And I thought it was horrible. I thought it was torture. And about an hour into the class is when I had that moment of it, just something breaking open where I thought, okay, So what I've been doing isn't working, but there's something about this that is helpful and just helping people connect to those moments, to their body again, in that simple way. It's where we got to start. Well, I think that's a wonderful place to end our conversation and meditate on just that. Those little mindful moments are the beginning of a big trajectory shift. Is there anything we missed, Laura, that you really wanted to to say today, or do you feel complete? I don't think so. I just appreciate the opportunity to be here, and I appreciate all the support and guidance that you've given me of you and Laura Jane. I wouldn't be here without both of you, so thank you for that. We all need a mentor, right? And yeah, I have mine, you have yours, Laura Jane has hers. I I think that's one beautiful thing about yoga is we're all expected to have an outside reference point to help us through the difficulties of life. And, and that's kind of a non-negotiable as a yoga therapist to get a mentor that will help navigate both business, but also personal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're not separate. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Amy. It was good to see you. I want to thank Laura for coming on today and sharing so much great information. It's a really vulnerable place to be, to admit that you've tried things, they haven't worked, you're rethinking it, trying it again. I I think this is what the key to life is. We're all going to run into obstacles and the ability to have persistence and just keep trying to find a way to our goal is really the thing that is the difference between those of us that end up being successful and living our dharma and those that are like, oh, it's too much work. I just can't do it. 
Um, I, I think persistence and having enough self-confidence to know that there's nothing wrong with you. You just have to keep finding what the pain points are of the people you're trying to serve. And, you know, Laura was in our optimal state professional business development course a few years ago, and she was just brilliant at being able to do that. Who are all the stakeholders and what do they want to hear? What do they need? How can I be of service to them? So the hospital administrators have totally different pain points that they need solved than the actual hospital employees and figuring out, okay, how do I talk to each one of those people? How do I meet them where they are? How do I help them see that my solution could work for them in a language that they understand? I've seen way too many yoga people go in on their high horse to hospital administrators or people making decisions with a big presentation to show what you can do. And you've got all the yoga stuff in there and you never hear from them again. It would be very wise to take Laura's lead and and just sit down and listen. She's really good at listening. What struggles are you having? What problems have you not been able to overcome? What is it that are the biggest things that make your job really, really hard? Then once you've heard that, go home, digest it, figure out where does the tools in your yoga toolbox meet up with those needs and how can you meet that person where they are with their language? That sounds so easy, but I've been coaching people in this business class for three or four years now. It's not easy. We have a really hard time getting out of our own perspective and stepping into the shoes of another. We call that in yoga, pratipaksha bhavana. Taking an opposite perspective is, is what it means. People can't do that. That's actually a really, really hard skill. And one of the reasons Laura has been so successful is because she's good at that. She listens first, then she puts herself in that person's shoes. What do they need? How are they suffering? How can I be of service? And then she meets them there with a language and those just little tiny moments of the snack cart, or here, let me show you a breathing technique, or take this optimal state chart and you know put it by your desk so you've remembered to check in with your mental emotional state. Just tiny little things. And of course, then the hospital administrators can, can basically show their employees, we do care about you. We do want your health and your happiness, right? So I just think this whole episode today was really lovely exploration of what it takes to be successful. And it's not about us showing up with our big yoga talks. It's about us showing up, wanting to be of service. How can I help you? This is about you. It's not about me. <laughs> and that is very difficult for yoga therapists, but that's a skill that I think we could all work on. All right. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. It's only because of you that we even have this podcast and we are really happy to be of service. And just like Laura, we are willing to listen to what your needs are, how you want to hear this podcast. Do you want shorter episodes, longer episodes? What is it that you want? Feel free to, to let us know. Okay. Thank you. And we'll talk soon. Please don't forget to sign up for our newsletter mailing list, where we give you a free gift every single week. It's usually something that the guest has been talking about, like a book chapter or an article or an infographic. Check out the show notes for that. Thank you for listening today. Don't forget, we have a new YouTube channel called Optimal State with Amy Wheeler. We also have a new Patreon page where you can support us to bring you the most excellent content. And that is Optimal State and the Yoga Therapy Hour Patreon page. Also, you could write us a review on most major platforms that host podcasts. Give us five stars if you appreciate the show and tell us what you love so that we can do more of that. Finally, we support several nonprofit organizations through this podcast. See the show notes to understand how you can help. 
If you'd like to be a guest or a sponsor for this program, contact us at the email welcome at theoptimalstate.com. Welcome at theoptimalstate.com. And finally, a special thank you to our team here at Optimal State. We are truly a global family. George Mantuan, one of our executive producers. Adam Satchel, senior media producer and sound engineer from the Philippines. Krishna Panchal, a producer from Canada. Modupe Abdullahi, who does the show notes and is an editor for us from Nigeria. And Peter Morley, who wrote and produced the music for this show, who lives in Australia. Find more about Peter's work at www.zenmusic.biz. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.